0: Welcome to the Built on Purpose podcast, where on each episode, we interview exceptional leaders, entrepreneurs, authors, philosophers, and some straight up interesting people to explore their outlook on life, work, and leadership. And now, here's your host, CEO, and co-founder of y Scouts, Max Hansen.
1: Hey, everybody, welcome to episode 56 of the Built on Purpose podcast brought to you by Y Scouts. I'm your host, Max Hansen, the CEO of Y Scouts, where we find purpose aligned and performance proven leaders. Today, our guest is Kevin McCauley, founder and CEO of Upper Hand. Kevin founded Upper Hand in 2012 after seeing an opportunity as a little, little league coach to revolutionize the sports and fitness industry. Kevin actively supports the startup and sports community as a tech star sports accelerator mentor and overseeing a predictive analytics program with Butler University. Kevin, welcome to the Built on Purpose podcast.
0: It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, Max.
1: All right. Well, I'm going to start out with some softballs here. Uh, Tell us about your company, Upper Hand. What is it today?
0: Uh, Upper Hand uh, is a a platform that uh, really is designed to help uh, build innovative software solutions uh, that make the the management of sports and fitness uh, effortless and contribute to a healthier Uh, More active world. Um, The more businesses that uh, are in business um, and growing, uh, the more athletes uh, have to choose from uh, in the marketplace. So, uh, we are very much a tech company here in the sports and fitness space.
1: Awesome. And I had a chance to talk to uh, Kevin. I don't know about a month ago. We share a lot of uh, passions and coaching, and and so they're going to. This is going to be a great conversation. One of the things we touched on that I want to jump into, just so you can kind of share with the audience. Tell us uh, about the problem that you're start that you're trying to solve when you started the company, and then kind of tell me tell us where it is today. Because I think it's super interesting on on kind of how you got started, and I think it'll be good for people to kind of hear how companies can pivot and really get into a uh, a sweet uh, spot. You know, once they've uh, once they've got things underway.
0: Yeah, no, it's it, it's a great. I um, always love telling the story and. Uh, really for me, it was it just sort of emerged from coaching baseball. It was back in 2012. Uh, it was, you know, youth baseball, little league. I, I played baseball growing up. I think I mentioned to you earlier when we started, I got a nephew who plays uh, Butler. Um, so always had a passion for the game, but it was in the process of coaching, um, that parents would start to come up and say, Hey, you know, my kids loving the game, uh, w- would love an opportunity to be trained. And you know, so I was like, all right, sure. I'll, I'll do that. Um, started doing pitching lessons, things that, you know, I, I feel like I know pretty well. And it was through that experience that uh, I saw a need to connect uh, athletes um, and parents with uh, private coaches to make it easier to do business um, with a great online booking experience. Uh, So it was about a, you know, less than a year later, we launched uh, a company called Book a Coach at the time uh, that was launched as the destination for sports lessons, uh, helping thousands of coaches uh, better manage their sports and and, uh, sports training programs. um, so that they could spend more time doing what they love, uh, developing the skills of those athletes. And so as a, a book of coach really grew, uh, so did the number of bookings, uh, really the need for additional tools, fun- functionality, capability, um, you know, the coaches were requesting to help manage uh, that, those businesses, right? Um, and so we we began regularly pushing new innovative uh, back office features, uh, which started to look more and more like uh, software to run a business. Um, you know, we'll get into all the details of, of, how we pivoted. But um, we started to notice a a lot of people coming back through the platform um, weren't necessarily in need of being connected with somebody or finding someone. They simply wanted tools to run uh, and manage the existing business that they had. And so um, long story short, that's where we rebranded in 2015 as upper hand uh, as we are today. uh, And then also started the work to build uh, software um, in in sports and fitness, uh, really a training management platform.
1: And when you were, uh, back when you're, when you were running book a coach were the, were you using the same type of resources or like, tell me a little bit about like, were you thinking about how book a coach would scale and you would build something this comprehensive or a platform like this, or, or was this something that you just, like you said, just kind of naturally discovered?
0: Yeah. Good question. I, um, yeah, I knew about marketplaces. Actually, there's one, um, uh, to, for, for, uh, booking doctors, um, uh, forget the name sort of slipped my mind here. Um, but you know, pretty simple, right. It's like you, you get an earache and, you know, sometimes it's hard to find a place you, you go online and uh, ZocDoc is what it was called. Um, so when I was coaching baseball and thinking about this idea to, to connect parents and athletes, um, I came across ZocDoc just in my own, um, uh, not because I was searching for, for marketplaces. But I was like, man, well, why would that not make sense in, you know, sports and fitness. Uh, and so that kind of spawned that idea. And I think actually I wasn't the only one, you know, that had that idea because you started seeing a lot of marketplaces in different verticals start to pop up. Um, you know, take lessons had been around for a long time in music uh, and sports and fitness. Um, got to know their, their uh, former CTO or chief revenue officer pretty well. Coach um, up uh, who good friends with uh, Jordan Flagle, who's the founder, CEO, uh, former CEO of that company um, and now runs TechStars uh, sports accelerator here in Indianapolis and they launched at the same time that we launched. And so uh, I wouldn't necessarily say it was, oh, man, I, I knew I was going to build a marketplace out of the gates. Uh, you just sort of saw an opportunity to connect people uh, in that way. And like every vertical, you know, is different. Um, so was the marketplace for us. Um, we started to recognize, okay, the, the quality of the coaching uh, is way different uh, from, you know, the academy facility, you know, sort of business customer versus somebody sitting on a couch wanting to make some money. Um, you know, it's a very different type of instructor. And so, uh, a number of those things led us to, um, to start building and focusing solely on building software, uh, to run a sports and fitness business.
1: Got it. And what would you say, what, what accomplishments are you most proud of, uh, so far? And I know it's been, uh, since 2012, in fact, we started Y Scouts in 2012. So when I was kind of oh, yeah. reading through the notes of when you started, uh, it got me thinking about the journey, but what things are you most proud of, uh, in starting upper hand?
0: Man, that's a tough question to answer. I mean, especially if my wife listens to this <laughs> and I just, you know, say, uh, you know, how supportive, you know, as a startup spouses have to be or significant others and family in general. But, um, you know, really the team we've built here, the culture that we've built, um, you know, we've, we've gone through tough times, like every, every startup, every company um, has to go through, uh, so for me, I'm most proud of the people we have working here and the culture we've built uh, around uh, really a great brand uh, and the awareness that uh, we're starting to see come to fruition, uh, you know, with the investments we're making every day uh, in the upper end brand.
1: Got it. And you know, and, and tell me, uh, tell us, how did your prior role as a VP of Sales of I believe another SaaS uh, company, correct? How yeah. did that experience kind of help you? in, in creating upper hand and, and as, and, in running upper hand today.
0: Yeah. Um, well, really, I think sales, I've been selling, you know, first job out of college was selling a corporate executive board uh, research firm. And then I, I did go on, uh, I started a different company called class watch uh, where I learned a lot and, and did sell in SaaS uh, after that. And I think, you know, just the, the experience selling um, whether you love sales or not, the, the foundational skill set of being able to sell applies across every type of job you could have. Um, we're all selling every day, whether we know it or not, internally and externally, right? Whether it's, you know, you're selling your boss on your next promotion, right? And you may not think that's selling, but you actually are, it's called internal selling. Um, you know, and so understanding sale, that sort of sales process really brings a lot of value to, okay, when we're starting to think about the business, where where is the value for customers, right? Um, I'm a business uh, business graduate from Kelly School, so I understand kind of the business mechanics, but that's just one piece of it, right? It's like, all right, how do we turn that, you know, the idea of connecting people on a platform or you know, building software, whatever the idea is that somebody out there has, um, who's listening to why why Scouts and follows you guys, um, you know, how do you then convert that into selling it? Because you're going to have to sell it, right? Otherwise, there'd be no business, um, uh, and and that's a whole different. Podcast in of, of itself. Uh, but it definitely helps. It teaches you, you got to be resilient. Um, when you start a business, um, you learn that in sales, you're going to hear no, but way more often than you hear yes. Um, and that's the same kind of resilient, resiliency you have to have in building a business um, uh, is sort of that sales mindset.
1: Love it. Love it. And I uh, I believe the same thing. What about, uh, what what's something that keeps you up at night in running the business or something that, you yeah, know, really uh, keeps your attention and, and, uh, keeps you up at night.
0: Definitely moving faster, you know? Um, you know, of course there's obviously all this stuff happened with COVID and things, but those things are out of your control, right? Um, I try not to worry about what I can't control, but certainly moving faster. You know, they say, uh, I forget which general it was, but it was Ulysses S. Grant, you know, said, you know, move, move at a faster, uh, rate, um, uh, Faster rate of movement in in war. You know, the art of war is is critical. The the, the army who gets there faster um, moves the quickest ends up winning, and it's very similar in, in business, right? It's like I, I stay awake at night thinking about all right. There's XYZ problem that exists that we need to fix, right? And sometimes you're prioritizing, uh, sort of picking the the least worst decision um, or option for the, for some of those problems. But then you've got all the places you you know you want to go as a business and how do we get there before that next, you know, the, the competitors we know about or the ones that we don't know about um, and it's typically the ones that you don't know about that, you know, should scare you the most.
1: Got it. You know, and you touched on, um, you touched on the culture at upper hand and uh, of course I had a chance to talk with you a little bit about this and, and loved what I heard. So I wanted to, to make sure to get into this a little bit, but how would you describe the culture at upper hand? And let's just talk a little bit about how you've established the culture, how you guys you know continue to drive a strong culture, in uh, a unique culture there. So first yeah. of all, how how would you describe uh, the culture at Upper Hand?
0: Yeah, it's a fun sports sportsy environment um, with with former athletes and sports minded, fitness minded people who are competitive. Um, you know, they love to win, uh, but just like being you know in a locker room or being around athletes and. Being at a sporting event or you know fitness whatever it is you know they also like to have fun you know they're, they're good good people um, at the heart and I credit my co-founder um, and business partner Miles you know he out of college work went to work at a company called Factset, um, where they developed uh, and he led uh, the project there to uh, what's called values based hiring um, so early on when we had just three or four of uh, four of us um, in the office uh, we sat down and wrote down okay each of our own, create a list of your own 10 values that these are the 10 values I would want people I work with to have. Um, and then we went through a brainstorming session and we picked the top 10, taking some from some lists and some from others, and then came up with our, our top, um, essentially nine core values. And then we have some basics that support each one of those values. And then the key is over time, uh, we've hired off of those values. So uh, when we interview, we're, we're interviewing around, you know, are you passionate about sports and fitness? Are you selfless? Um, do you check the ego at the door type thing? Um, what type of aspirations do you have? You know, when you're 70, uh, 70% certain, are you deciding, you know, are you somebody sort of sits on your hands and thinks about it and thinks about it? Um, do you take initiative? Um, are you gritty? You know, uh, do you appreciate the grind when it, when going gets tough, do you look for somebody to complain to, or do you say, man, this is a chance I'm gonna dig in my heels type thing. Um, and then we try to pick the best candidate that fits those core values and, um, you know, our, our hope is that, you know, if we ended up putting them in the wrong seat, which, you know, hiring is difficult, as everybody knows, we, we at least have the right people um, uh, working together. And it's also helpful for the candidate. Right. I mean, I'm sure you've had uh, you know, jobs, roles in the past where you're around a team you're like, man, I just I don't know what it is, but I don't get along with anybody here, you know, or it just doesn't feel right. And that's just because you have different values. Um, when you're around people with the same values, you know, you're going to have a lot more fun. Um, So we've tried to do that. We've definitely made mistakes along the way, no doubt. But um, anytime we have, we've always gone back to the values and said, hey, you know, was that person, you know, a a really good fit for those values? Um, And 10 times out of 10, the answer is no.
1: I love it. And we got, we talked about that and and it has stuck with me. Uh, You know, we have, uh, we're the first purpose-based leadership search firm on the planet and, and it's around purpose and values and aligning people to purpose and values. Yeah, you know, the statement, and I—I I will credit Ann Rhodes, who uh, worked at Southwest Airlines, and obviously did a lot of yeah. really good work there. But uh, you know, she's always set us up, and this is ba- basically behavioral based interviewing. But uh, you know, tell me about a time when, and you can kind of get into the value, and people can kind of oh, yeah. tell you yeah. tell you specific. So I'm sure, is there anything when you interview people, are there specific, uh, you know, kind of cues you use to? To find out if they uh, emulate that value, or they have examples of behavior on that in yeah. that value.
0: Yeah, cues and behavior, man. On inter- interviewing is a, a topic in and of itself, and it, it's a skill. I mean, you know, interviewing is um, is not easy. I don't, I don't personally love uh, love interviewing. I, my business partner is a great interviewer, um, has a ton of experience doing it. Um, but I think, yeah, it's it. The key is really. Um, for us, we set up all of our questions, and we have, you know, four or five people um, when it's the final round. And you'll, each person that you're interviewing with will have different core values that they have to dig in on. Um, so I think that really helps, particularly in a young company like us, where we we've got younger people, you know, in leadership roles who may not have that interview experience. Um, but when you simplify what what they're interviewing about, um, and they relate to what they're interviewing about, you know, if, for example, if you're a gritty person it's going to be easy for you to sit down and talk about grit. Right. So uh, in some ways we do kind of uh, I guess organically get rid of, you know, a lack of interviewing experience because you're focused on something very simple, um, something that other people are interviewing about that they're passionate about. And then just keep the questions about that. Um, You know, when it comes to some of the behavioral based stuff, yeah, there's some, some questions like that. I think we certainly could be doing a lot more um, continue to get better at that um, uh, with the types of questions we're asking. But it's definitely more of a science than an art um, when it comes to interviewing, and uh, really teaching those skills uh, can be difficult um, for for a young, growing company. I mean, you've probably experienced that yourself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love how you break that down, though. I think the thing that you said that people should you know kind of listen to, and I know just from because we do interviewing for a living, and that's what yeah, we do for our clients yeah. at high level. But having a plan, like. Knowing, you know, having questions, you know, having interview guides, having ways of how you're asking questions and having a plan, who's going to ask questions, who's going to verify or, or confirm that they feel good that this person has these specific behaviors or, or these values. So yeah, I think, you know, when I, when I was on that phone call with you last month, I was, uh, really uh, impressed by how you guys have really embraced that values based hiring, and, and cheers to your partner Miles for yeah, kind of getting you guys down that, on that road.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it. And, and it was, I know I, I owe you some stuff on that too. Um, you know, and one other thing I'll say about that is we, um, you know, after we interview, we, we then get together, you know, same day, um, and then we have each person go through their interview, you know, to to grade on a scale of uh, one to five. You know, how did that person fit? you know, your core values. Right. Um, and we have people go in order of, uh, earliest, um, I mean, most recent hire to the, to the most tenured, um, uh, miles is pretty, pretty adamant about, uh, that, that process. And the reason that's in place is because you don't want the person that has the most tenure to go first, because then that could dictate what everybody else says about that person. Right. Um, somebody that's younger may change what they were going to say because, Oh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, change what the boss is thinking type thing, right? So we'll go around and say, all right, well, Max, what was, how would you score this candidate from one to five on the three core values you interviewed on, which were, you know, being, you know, be gritty, trust, and have fun. You know, and you may say, a four, you know, the great trust, they're gritty, a little worried they don't like to have fun though. You know, they might be, you know, t- too much, uh, you know, at the grindstone type thing, um, which, which is also important. You also want people that, you know, can't get up from their desk and go say hi to somebody. Um, Type thing, although I guess now with COVID, it's you know not so much getting up from your desk. Saying I, uh, but anyway, so th- that's one thing we do. I think also helps with the with that process, um, sort of the you know, some of the parts.
1: Oh, I love the uh, letting the most recent person hired speak first when it comes to scoring. Because you're absolutely right, the the scoring of the most tenured person does have an effect. We actually score every one of our meetings on a scale of one to ten, and I try. Not to go. I try to go last. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I also know I'm a high I, and so I like to talk, and so I have to really remind myself to you know let other people go first. And then I think the other thing that you're talking about that's important when it comes to hiring, uh, and I just know this from from doing kind of a lot of hiring, kind of talking to people about their yeah. own process. But it's how you score. So using a scoring matrix or a grid, like you're talking about, like a scoring system. It's important to point out, and and maybe you know get your input on this. Make sure you feel the same way. But sometimes it's not the exact score that's most important. Just because somebody might have scored it a three, and somebody scored it a five, but to, the conversation that ensues of why they scored it a three and why the person scored it a five, that conversation becomes important. It's not as much about the score. Would you agree? And is that how those conversations you know kind of come to fruition?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a conversation that um you know you are looking for. You, know, you may say, okay, on the, the core guys, we talk about be gritty, trust, and have fun. Again, you all right, be gritty is great, trust is great. May, may like to have fun, not sure. So you score them a three. Somebody else comes in on be passionate, be competitive, be coachable, and they're like, it's a five. Um, you know, you may have a different candidate that you're a five on all three of yours, uh, somebody else is a three on the other three. And so that that does create a conversation around, okay, well, now let's look at you know who are they going to be working with, right? What's the role? Um, some roles, you know, really should have you really should weigh core values a little bit more important based on the role. Um, you know, for example, we want engineers to have fun, but, uh, you know, they're the personality of some of its is probably much different than a sales minded person, right? They're not going to be hoorah and listen medium on speaker. And, you know, you're having to get to calm down. Right. Uh, it's, it's the opposite. So hundred uh, percent agree on that. Um, and really just creates that conversation of like, okay, if somebody's like, well, I gave a three and it was on trust. And you're like, everybody stops and says, okay, well, trust is a pretty important um, uh, core value. Are we confident hiring this person at a three? Why were they three? Did anybody else get a sense of, you know, even though you interviewed on other core values, did you get a sense of a three on trust, you know? Um, and it's weird how when you have that conversation, all the pieces start to kind of come together in, in the core values, uh, sort of review of each candidate, you know, as one person talks about each core value, then it's like, oh, man, you know, what you just said about be gritty is sort of fills in one of the pieces that I had on be competitive, you know, or be coachable. You know, they're gonna be super gritty, but they they are not gonna be very coachable, you know. Um, so absolutely, it's a conversation uh, less about the score scores come more into play, I think, as you hire more and more people, uh, then there is something to be said around. Uh, okay, you can start to look at data for everybody you've ever scored and start to find the, the, the baseline, right? So if anybody scores below the baseline in each one of these core values, they, they're not going to work out, you know, cause we just know statistically 90% of the time they'll quit or they'll leave. Um, you know, we're not quite there yet on, uh, you know, headcount and stuff, but you know, if you're tracking that over time, uh, eventually it becomes uh, somewhat scientific too. um, uh, to help avoid mistakes, and then also when you're interviewing, you know, doing your re- reviews with existing employees on those same core values. If you start to see somebody, you know, maybe they got scored on a core value and they they dropped or something. You know, people get uh, you know bored in, in roles, they get tired, fatigued. Um, you can go back and look at that score sheet to say, man, okay, this person's we got to get a little worried. You know, one of the core values that you have to be a ten or you end up leaving is they're starting to wait a little bit on aspirations or they're not as gritty um, or they're not showing up at the the company happy hour, you know, on the have fun stuff. Uh, So those things uh, I think, you know, do matter um, kind of long-term or holistically when it looks, uh, you look at the scores.
1: Got it. You know, and I'm just, one thing I'm noticing is you guys have nine core values. Is that right?
0: Yeah. Nine core values and um, basics, which is very similar to the Ritz Carlton concept um, of that support those, those core values. So, For example, with um, be competitive, there's three basics that fall under be competitive score value. It's, you know, find a way, don't be the type of person, if there's a problem, well, we can't fix it. Find some way. Um, Second basic is create win-win situations. So just because we're in a negotiation, whether it's internal or external, you know, it doesn't have to be a win-lose. And then the third one is pay the price to win, um, meaning somebody's willing to go the distance to, to get the win, again, whether it's internal or external. Um, and so we created those basics because sometimes just the core value word itself, um, you know, it can be difficult to like, all right, what is it? be passionate? Um, you know, and that we have treat customers like legends, listen generously and cooperate and be human and use human touch. Like people like to talk to humans. Um, so th- we'll use the basics to support those core values, but yeah, it's nine, nine core values and then 27 basics.
1: Got That's incredible. So I do know just from our prior conversation, you are, if I remember right on EOS traction, is that right? We are. Yes. Yes. Okay. And for those of the people that are listening, I don't know. EOS is an entrepreneurial operating system. Um, Gazelles is another, you know, kind of version of, of a system you could use. But so when you go, I just, I'm familiar with the system. When you go through and you do, um, when you look at your current team, do you take all nine of those core values and you plus plus minuses um, or minuses? And so, wow. So with, with every employee,
0: Yep, we do. Uh, and then every review
1: as well. Yeah. That's amazing. I, I mean, I always preach uh, and that this is this just goes to show that, you know, different flavors for everybody. But I always preach, you know, no more than five core values. So yeah. if you have nine, you know that you're, you really like the core values. Uh, they, they really you guys are, um, you know, they, they are important to you guys. And, and uh, I, I'd love to hear that. So I yeah. could talk about hiring. Obviously, that's what we do. So I won't get you stuck there. We could, I, I could sit there no, and no, talk I, about yeah. it.
0: Well, yeah, hey, it's, it, it's a problem people have. And it, it's one that people need help on. And I think, uh, you know, five core values, I, would, I certainly would agree. Uh, and, and people do teach, keep it uh, keep it simple, stupid, right? It's kind of the, one of the sayings, right? Um, but I, I also think it's important for people to understand, um, you know, customize it to, to your business, right? Customize it to your personality, yeah, you don't want people to have to go through a a book to figure out your, your core values, um, but you should try to keep it simple, you know. And that was one of the reasons we added basic stars is because we do have more, and it, it it makes it easier to review. You know, somebody on the plus minus system with uh, EOS, which is a phenomenal program. If people aren't familiar with it, um, and the book Traction would definitely recommend it. But um, you are right; the fewer values, um, you know, definitely the better. Uh, I mean, we've seen some where it's like people have you know twenty core values and hundred basics, and it gets super super crazy. So. Keep it
1: simple. Well, and on the EOS, just because people don't have to be on EOS to you know kind of understand the the model, I uh I didn't confirm this, but I assume you're the visionary on the in the EOS system.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah, yeah so so people that, that if they don't know what EOS is, it's really predicated on uh the premise that there is a visionary typically, which is obviously Kevin in this case um, that usually, and I was, and I'm the visionary too, so I'm not talking smack. Yeah, it's yeah. usually a little bit ADD. They come up with yeah, lots of right. ideas all the time. They're not probably the best executor because they'll just keep coming up with ideas and just keep, yeah. you know, and so, and then there's an integrator is miles your, is your business partner, the integrator, or is, do you have somebody else? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's,
0: uh, he serves as an integrator now. Yep.
1: Awesome. And so the, obviously that's been a really good one, two punch for you guys. And, uh, yeah. when did you figure out that, that, that you were more naturally the visionary and he was a really uh, good executor.
0: Man, uh, we, we didn't get introduced to, well, I didn't get introduced to Traction in the US until I was like maybe just two, three years ago. Um, so we're only two years into the system. I, when I first read Traction, I mean, I'm like three chapters in and Miles, like, holy crap, this is why was, why is nobody ever telling us about this? And then, and then when you finally, you know, start implementing it and you tell people about it, all these people you've known forever are like, oh yeah, we're on Traction US. Like, well, hey, stupid, you could have said something, you know, <laughs> like, hey, a little advice, you know. Um, so we, we found out after Red Traction and there's another book. Um, Rocket uh, Fuel? Yeah, Rocket Fuel that, yep. that uh, you know, there's a set of books that um, you know, obviously, as you know, you can read that have different reasons to read them. But Rocket Fuel is about uh, really understanding who's the visionary and, and integrator. Um, and I, mean, I was, again, three, four chapters in that. I was like, Miles, you're not going to believe this. You know, this is one reason we've always worked well together because we worked uh, together in college too. Um, and so it was, it was after reading that we started to recognize, man, um, it's kind of self-reflection for me too. Like, okay, well, I, I'll get it done if it has to get done because that's my personality. But I don't like, I don't like the, the operational piece of things, right? It's, um, and so what EOS teaches you in other systems is when you, you do what you're great at and you get everybody in your company doing what they're great at, you go faster. Um, you move faster, you make fewer mistakes, uh, and that's really the idea idea behind it. And if you get the visionary to to trickle that vision down, and we execute on it, you know you should also grow faster. So um, it was after reading that book, and and just having to worked together for so long, he asked his wife, I asked mine, and all four of us got the right answer. I mean, it was like four for four. Miles is an integrator, Kevin's a visionary. Um, even though there's a, there's a little bit of each in, in everybody, right? And it doesn't mean that cause you're an integrator and you actually can, can implement EOS if you don't have an integrator um, you know, and obviously customize some of those pieces, but uh, we're very passionate about EOS here. It's a, uh, you know, we've had to customize a little bit over time, but um, it's, it's been tremendous for our business.
1: No, I love the concept of whether people choose to use traction or not, the concept of really identifying, and usually, the founder CEO, not always, but usually the founder CEO, what they have to come to realize is that they're not good executors. And so, yeah. in, a, in the search world, we take on second-in-command roles all the time. And when you start talking to a visionary or a visionary and you know, president CEO, maybe they're, even if they're not on traction, what they're describing as what they need in their COO or their second command is somebody that can execute, somebody that can translate, the, you know, what they're thinking and what they're saying and distill it down to, uh, you know, goals and what rock, you know, rocks and the traction system. So it's super important. Yeah. Let me change gears a little bit. Uh, okay. what, what, what gives you the most energy? What are you working on that gives you the most energy? I, I love the, you know, I'd love your guys' industry. Obviously I, you know, I'm a, I coached probably 15, 20 teams. I played a lot of sports. Uh, so sports and fitness, uh, you know, is a passion of mine. Uh, but what gives you the most energy that you're working on today? Like what projects, what are you guys doing that, that, that gives you the uh, most energy?
0: So, so many things, um, you know, our, the, the reason we're, we're called upper hand is, um, you know, it's an acronym for sort of mastery advantage, uh, you know, over an opponent, right. You have the upper hand, um, the logo is the symbol of a hand. Um, uh, it's just, it, you can see a little chart going up into the right, um, w- which looks like a bar chart. Uh, you know, and then the foam finger sort of represents the human touch, uh, and it's kind of sporty, right. Um, and sort of fitnessy, uh, I get super passionate about helping people grow their business. Um, even if they're not like, if they don't become a customer, um, or there's somebody who's super unhappy with using upper hand and I get a chance to talk to them and then I learn about what we're doing wrong. Um, you know, or maybe it's something they're doing wrong in their business model. Uh, I mean, I, I could talk about that stuff all day long. Um, you know, and so some of the projects I just mentioned, I was driving back, uh, from, uh, meeting with uh, some folks at Acceleration um, uh, here in town and just sitting down. People have been in business for 20, 30 years, right? Um, still using pen and paper to, to process, uh, you know, scheduling and running some of the business, but then they use technology in other areas and they have trained all these athletes. And uh, when you start to just see, you just see the opportunity to, to help people um, when you get a, get face to face with them. Um, and so I get very excited about that. Our industry has so much happening um, you, you know, that, uh, anybody who's a consumer of fitness knows that with Peloton and whoop, which I'm you know now wearing, I don't think it was last time I saw you. Um, but people keep talking about it. Uh, Apple health, uh, you got all the things happening at the, fi- uh, the physical location level, right. With planet fitness and exponential fitness, et cetera. So it's, it's very exciting. Um, what's happening in space because it presents a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of disruption. Um, you know, there are definitely gonna be people left behind, uh, you know, sort of the innovator's dilemma situation. And I think, you know, for me, uh, the projects around, uh, you know, building a product uh, for folks as, as fast as we can. Again, why I don't sleep at night? You know, how do we move and innovate faster? Uh, and then how do we help grow businesses? How do we help move data from one place to the next to, you know, help somebody make better decisions or make the decision for them?
1: And it's uh, amazing. Yeah, we at our uh, company... Either everybody in my team at this past Christmas, they got a choice between Apple watches, that band or yeah. the ring, the aura ring. And so our chatter, we have a channel. It's health and fitness. Everybody's talking about their sleep scores and like this is oh, just man, normal yeah. stuff now. I mean, it's, it's amazing it's uh, crazy. How, how it's going. And the, so the fit, tell me, you know, a much more about the fitness industry uh, than I do. Where is it growing the fastest for you guys? I know you there's a there's a niche that you guys have. It felt like more in, the, in kind of organized sports area. Let's talk about like the the different niches that are growing and, and where you guys see the most growth.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, we serve we, we sort of three different target segments uh, here: um, sports training academies, which is kind of where we started as a business. Right. Um, a lot of times, your uh, lessons, training programs, camps, clinics um, uh, as a business. Uh, then sports facilities, you know, so large uh, facilities that, you know, run membership, recurring revenue programs, rentals, lessons, camps, clinics, training programs, uh, or some retail. Um, and then fitness is a newer category for us as of, uh, you know, really the last 12, 18 months, um, you know, probably maybe a little longer than that because of COVID now, but um, a little bit of boutique fitness. Um, we don't necessarily go uh, into big box yet. Um, where we sort of draw the line is, is if the business, number one, it's a business, right? So in sports, fitness is not really uh, a topic, but in sports you have recreational sports, right? Like little leagues and uh, peewee, you know, hockey, football, things like that. Um, We only focus on, you know, for-profit businesses. Um, uh, There's no real reason why other than, um, you know, what they need is very different uh, from a product perspective. Um, And then on the fitness side, uh, you know, we, we really draw the line on, how how much do they treat their clients like athletes? Like um, is it just a person walking in to lift and then they're leaving um, versus somebody that's developing, you know, an adult athlete um, in some way. Because the needs again are very different. Um, and we see fitness, fitness is by far the most disrupted uh, of the of the target segments, um, which means there's probably more opportunity there long term than anywhere else. Um, uh, you know, so happy to talk and excited to talk about that video. You got, you know, there's a debate there, you know, how much of it's going to go to Peloton versus, you know, uh, are people not going to go to gyms anymore? You know, uh, and well, there might be some of that, but not all of that. There's, there's definitely pieces that people will have to come into the gym for. Um, and, uh, so navigating that's exciting, uh, but it's also, you know, it can be scary. You got to make sure you don't swing and miss, uh, you know, in some of those categories it's a quick way to go out of business.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, in in Arizona, uh, where we are at, uh, we, this was uh, April 12th, where I go work out was no masks. And to be honest with you, I was so used to wearing a mask that it felt kind of weird not to wear one. And I got used to like sprinting with a mask on. Uh, And I always, the people that made excuses, like, I don't like to go to the gym, because I don't like to wear a mask. I just thought it was such a shitty excuse. I mean, the reason why you're going there is to get a workout in, you know, putting a mask on is just going to make it maybe a little harder uh, and more challenging, which is why you're going there, but it kind of makes me laugh, but it is nice to not have a mask on. What's it like you're in, uh, you're in Indiana, Indiana, correct?
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, no doubt this industry, uh, fitness more so than sports, but sports included has been, you know, really decimated by uh, COVID Um, a lot like some of the other service industries, you know, uh, salons, probably some wellness as well. Um, but fitness more than, more than any, you know, really because you kind of had a double whammy with, uh, Peloton rising. Um, and now it's not just Peloton, it's, uh, you know, tonal, uh, tempo fit, you know, you name it. It's, uh, it, it's, it's right out there. Yeah. Mirror, um, et cetera. Uh, and then COVID hits and all of a sudden you can't, can't be in a, uh, you know, a fitness center or gym is just uh, bizarre. So, um, yeah, we've definitely seen that impact. Uh, but from a mass perspective, Indiana has been pretty conservative in terms of, um, you know, not in a, in a political spectrum, but um, in terms of, you know, whether you wear a mask or not, um, you know, we're not first to take them off, but we're also not last type thing. Um, they sort of been in the middle, uh, I would say. Um, but, uh, you know, there, there has been a lot of, I think, disregard for the value of fitness in the face of COVID. You know, one of the number of ways to beat COVID is to be in shape. Um, and it's like, we constantly talk about cleanliness and wiping stuff down, but you know, what's happened to you know heart disease rates, heart attacks, strokes, um, you know, cancer rates because your, your chance of getting cancer skyrockets if you're obese. Um, you know, then there's a the whole side of mental health. Uh, you know, like if I don't go get a run without stress, I, I can be some days, um, you know, whether it's a home project or some at work, I mean, that run is, is critical, uh, to relieving, um, you know, mental stress, you know, and there's not enough of that conversation in, in, uh, in this industry by far.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. agree. And speaking of, uh, COVID, I always kind of like to cover this, uh, until it's not relevant anymore, but what have been, like, how has COVID impacted you both personally and professionally? And then I'll, I'll ask this again. Cause usually I like to ask one question at a time, makes it a little yeah. bit easier on your end. <laughs> and then I get into like, like, I want to, like, you seem very positive. I know you have, you're doing a lot of stuff outside of work, yeah. just you know, positives that came out of COVID. But so first of all, how has it impacted you both personally and professionally? And then I'll, I'll, I'll add the follow-up question.
0: Yeah. I think for, for me, um, right, right out of the gates, you know, obviously there there's fear, you know, there's concern about, um, you know, what's, what's going to happen. Um, I, I, tend to be somebody that when those things do happen, um, I dig in and I'm like, all right, Hey, let's go, let's, let's go to battle. Um, you know, and, and we'll find a way through that. Uh, so it definitely impacted me in terms of, you know, personally realizing how important it was to stay in contact with my team remotely. Um, I'm not somebody that that loves to, I'm not the rah-rah kind of uh, head coach. Um, I'm a very quiet head coach. Um, and then I step in when I, when I feel like I need to. And so that was difficult because when you're remote, you know, I've had to change the way you think about, you know, doing virtual happy hours and other things, you know, um, has really changed me. And then I think, is it, it starts to wear on and then um, you're like, all right, it's, I think we know enough now to, to open back up. Um, and I think some of the political infighting just is, has really been difficult because you see so many businesses in our offices downtown, um, completely different downtown than it was 12 months ago, like not even the same um, in terms of violence and other things. So now I've got, you know, you got employees, you got to worry about walking, you know, even when you come back, coming into the office, um, so it just created so many dynamics to just run a business that I never thought in my wildest dreams you yeah you know, you'd ever be dealing with you know what I mean um, but who who would have right a hundred year pandemic uh, as, you know last time we had one but I think it's like all right now it, when it's time to open up and you start seeing all these businesses just struggle shut down you know left and right um, you know it it it's sad you know it's sad driving around and. Somebody's life, you know, spent 30 years building that. You know, probably implemented an EOS, you know, back in the day, and poured their life and soul into it, and it's like they didn't make it. Uh, so that that really really hurts. I think it makes me want to dig in more into our space to help customers, you know. And uh, if it was traveling every single customer for the next two years, I'd do it, you know, um, because people are passionate about their business. There are a lot of great ideas that help help people survive a lot worse uh things than than COVID out there. So uh, that's how it's impacted me personally.
1: And then what about uh, you know, typically, and you don't have to, but typically uh, you know, I, I call them COVID blessings. Like what has COVID taught you that oh, yeah. on the positive side? Um
0: Yeah, well, I mean definitely um it, it's gotten us to focus, I think, more um as a team, uh you know, having to figure out how to communicate with each other remotely. Um we certainly can operate this business. Um remotely. Do I think it's the healthiest long-term for all teams to be 100% remote? No. Um, You know, how, how, how Google works um, the book written by the founders, uh, three chapters in, there's a paragraph by the founders that says Google will never be a remote work environment. And this book was written a couple years ago. It's not like it was written 15 years ago. And you know, it's like, okay, well they obviously changed that stance pretty quickly Um, So I do think it will come back, but I, you know, for me, the biggest sort of learning and, um, you know, change has been, we can, we can figure it out remotely. um, And, and it does bring, it can bring people closer together, um, you know, because there's sort of this shared, shared goal uh, and vision, you know, outside of work that, you know, people care, you care about each other, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then speaking of uh, you, you alluded to this a couple of times, but, how do you uh you know I know you guys are your customers are national. how do you juggle kind of your personal life and professional life and traveling and and uh, managing your day to day uh you know with the business and at home
0: Oh my god that's uh that it's a challenge um, you know I think well you definitely have to have a supportive if you're in a relationship with anyone it, it, the person who you come home to has to be in support of what you're doing um, or or you'll just find your you won't be able to do it. Um, uh, I'm talking about starting a, a business. Um, sure. you know, when it comes to COVID and working and stuff, I mean, there's, there's definitely different opinions at home too on that. Right. Um, uh, my wife l- works uh, for Eli Lilly, um, uh, and, and, you know, certainly has a, a different take than, than I do, but two different industries as well. Right. Um, but you have to have that support, uh, because you do have to travel sometimes. I mean, again, I love traveling. It's one of my favorite things to do going to, to visit customers and, um, it, it's also kind of what lights the spark. You know, if you're, you're not, you know, you sort of feel like you're ah, am I burning out a little bit or getting bored, you know, and then you go and you meet that customer and you, you see some new machine, you know, some hockey treadmill, you've never seen a hockey treadmill before, which is crazy by the way. Um, you know, people have skates on a treadmill and then, and then it's like, they've been in business for so long. You're like, man, you go back, fired up. Um, so for me, that's very important. I think to the, to, to the whole equation, um, is making sure you have that support before you do dive into a new business. Um, And if for people that have started them and they're 10, 15 years into it, or even one year, they probably know exactly what I'm talking about, you know, because not all spouses and significant others are going to be supportive because you're going to have a lot of surprises along the way. Uh, Expect the unexpected.
1: Hundred percent. If they're one year in, they've had a hell of a year dealing with COVID. Oh yeah, <laughs> so they've, got a, they've got a lot of, oh, lot, yeah. of lot of, lot lot of stuff ahead of them to look forward to. But do you feel like uh, with your company again? I, again, I, we share a lot of the same passions. But do you feel yeah. like you found your purpose with upper hand and kind of, you know, because it seems like you were able to kind of merge your passions, you know, prior to you know getting in the professional, uh, you know, work world into kind of what you actually get to work and do. I mean, is that fair to say? Uh,
0: Absolutely. Um, I I love sports and fitness um, and I love business. You know, um, we probably don't talk about enough here, but you know, really any SaaS company or B2B, well, going back to the sales, right. I mean, to sell well, you have to understand the business you're selling into, right. You know uh, how the business operates, what's the, what's the business model, right. How does it all out of the wheels, uh, wheels turn to, to make the, uh, sauces and cheese, whatever you want to call it type thing. Um, so, it, it, yeah, I'm super passionate about, you know, business and it's, it's hard, you know, uh, every business is a little bit different, but there is, there's some common threads there between, you know, fitness, sports facilities and sports training academies. And that's why we stay in this space um, is to really try to focus on, uh, focus on though And I, I do feel like I found, found that uh, thing I'm passionate about.
1: Awesome. You know, I think you have too. That's why, that's why I brought it up. What about, what, what are you most curious about now? Like, uh, I mean, obviously you're, you're in the, the sports and fitness world, but what, what are you most curious about? What do you think about um, just in general? What, what are you most curious about?
0: Probably uh, best practices. Um, and what I mean by that is how, what are other people doing to address problems um, for their business, whether it's a competitor of ours or, you know, uh, customers of ours who who think they compete. Um, one of the big takeaways uh, I learned out of college at Corporate Executive Board, which is a research company, they've been acquired by uh, Gartner since uh, since that time. Um, but one of the things I got to do is I got to sit in a room uh, with competing um, Fortune five hundred CTOs. I was on the tech council, so I I cold called into CTOs at Fortune five hundred companies, um, selling them a membership to be a part of CB. And so one of the things you get in a bunch of uh, amazing research from some of the best business analysts in the world is you get to attend these events where you sit in a room. Um, you know, it's maybe 30 other CTOs. And I'll never forget there was one one event um, where one CTO uh, brought up an issue they were having where they said, hey, you know, one of the issues we have is the the product team's building too good of a product. Um, and what I mean by that is sales keeps coming to us saying, hey, this thing's not breaking. Like we can't go back in to sell the widget again because it it's not breaking down, you know, and I was like, man, I actually never really thought about that. But I mean, now you hear about all the iPhones. Now they kind of start to die a little bit after a while. And then another CTO is in the same industry, um, competes with that company said, we've got, he, what he just said, we got the same problem, you know, and then, and then you start to hear all these creative, uh, ideas around how other people are dealing with it. And so a lot of times it, it took away my fear of talking to competitors, um, because it's not going to change what we do talking to them. If anything, it opens up your eyes to, to ways we could do things better and vice versa. Um, and it most importantly, it, it opened my eyes to the power of, of just having a, a conversation on how you do business and all the things you learn is, it, I mean, it's so rich and, and takeaways and knowledge that, uh, that's one of the big things for me that, um, you know, I'm, I'm passionate about, as you can tell.
1: Awesome. No, I love it. All right. I'm going to, we're going to, I'm going to take you through a rapid, uh, fire questions. Uh, okay. so, Short answer is there's about uh, eight to 10, uh, but we'll just learn a little bit about okay. Kevin. What's the first thing you do when you wake up?
0: Oh, first thing I do when I wake up is uh, shower. and Then I go, um, my job is help get the kids ready. Um, so I get ready, get dressed, uh, get Henry's five, Tori turns uh, three in August, get him dressed. We have breakfast, five or one for me as I get older, unfortunately, and it goes for them. <laughs>
1: Five and and three. I take
0: care and then down to the office.
1: You've got your hands full at five and, and three. I do.
0: Uh,
1: what book have you read more than once? Shoe Dog. Which person has had the greatest impact on your life?
0: Hmm. Man. Uh, probably my parents and my dad.
1: What is what is something that you're waiting to check off your bucket list?
0: Oh, check off my uh oh the masters. Attend the be at the masters on Sunday.
1: Oh, uh, you know, I I'm I'm interrupting the rapid fire, but I've only been to the masters once, and it was on Sunday when Tiger Woods won in 2019. Shut <laughs> so up. I'm not you joking. Not oh. Only day I've ever been. But uh Uh, how about since you're, if you could teach one subject to school children, what would it be?
0: Plato's Republic.
1: Are you a morning or night person? Morning. Do you think leadership can be taught? Yes. If you could change one thing about the world right now, what would it be?
0: Help people understand that more people love you than you think.
1: I love it. All right. Well, I'm going to start wrapping up. I'm going to leave the last word to you. Is there anything you want to share? And then I'll kind of wrap up with some, uh, with some stuff on the end here and kind of with a button on the end, but anything you want to share with our audience, I want to give the last word to you. I've really appreciated your insights. Uh, awesome business, uh, a lot of passion behind it. And it's just, uh, thanks a lot for all your time today, but what would you like to share with the uh, audience as we close out?
0: Well, one, I think why scouts is, is an awesome organization. Um, we're very fortunate to be on here, you know, obviously for people that have listened, it's important for them to get something out of it. Uh, I welcome, you know, reaching out on LinkedIn. Uh, if there's anything you know, I've said, or you've heard about that you'd like, you know, maybe some additional conversation on. Um, but then I would also say like, you know, uh, uh why scouts can help. I mean, one of the things that EOS, some of these things that leave out, uh, is a lot about the culture and the value building. Um, it's very thin on that. Um, as it relates to building your missions and other things that uh, are important uh, to building a business, and we need we need organizations like Y Scouts um, to be very successful, uh, particularly in the times we're in, where businesses need guidance. Um, uh, so that, that that would be my last uh, sort of word.
1: Awesome, man! I appreciate that. And if yeah. you want to check out Upperhand, is it getupperhand dot com? Upperhand to check out yeah. more about upper uh, hand. Upperhand. Yep. And then, uh, you've been listening to the built on purpose podcast with Max Hansen brought to you by y Scouts. You can find all our past and future podcasts at YScouts.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the built on purpose podcast, where on each episode, we interview
0: exceptional leaders, entrepreneurs, authors, philosophers, and some straight up interesting people to explore their outlook on life, work, and leadership. You can hear any of our previous shows 24-7 right here on Star Worldwide Networks or wherever you get your podcasts.